I'm going to go ahead and record at this point. Recording in progress. <clears throat> uh, for those of you that just joined, we will be taking a look at 2 Timothy. And I want us to be doing a little bit of reading here. So, if we will be beginning at the second chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is uh, Paul, Paul, he is writing Timothy. And Timothy is a, uh, he's a young pastor. And he is called, he's called unto the Lord for the work of the Lord. And Paul, he, he's, he's writing Timothy. And, and Timothy is going through some problems. Okay, so... How many of you know that when you get called to the army of the Lord, when you get enlisted as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you're faced with some problems. And those problems can be very trying and very difficult. Um, he tells us, uh, he te- Paul, Paul says in his letter, he says, Timothy, I remember your tears. Um, so this, this indicates that he, he's going through some pressure. When, when, you, when you come to the Lord, your tears don't stop. In fact, the Bible says it, in the book of Revelation that our tears don't stop until he calls us home. Right? You guys recall that passage where it says that then when all things are made new, that we will not cry anymore. He will take away every tear. He will take away every pain. He will take away every sorrow. Right? But on this side of eternity, the tears remain. And while there are people who would like to, who would like to say that we do not experience pain, and I mean, rather, we, don't, we ought not to cry, that you ought to suck it up, that's not what the Lord advises us to do. He doesn't just say uh, very insensitively to just suck everything up and to just um, to just get through it. In fact, he comforts us. The Bible says in the Psalms that he he bottles every one of our tears. That is to say, he recalls our pain. He knows what we're going through. He knows every single detail in our lives, and he cares. But Timothy, he, he, he's experiencing some pressure. He's experiencing some difficulty. Uh, he's having problems in the ministry. I didn't even close. It's a Bible study. Yeah, I think so. No, it's a Bible study. <laughs> so he, he, he's experiencing some problems, and, and you haven't dealt with problems until you come to the Lord. And I, I want to emphasize that because I, I want to hopefully prepare your minds to understand that when you come to God, you have some of the most difficult, trying circumstances that you will ever meet. This is precisely why Jesus says, count the cost. There's a cost to it. It ain't easy. I can't tell you how many times I felt like 
saying, you know what, Lord, I I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And that's not because I'm a weak man in the flesh or a weak man in myself that in, in a, like I myself don't have the, the mental wherewithal or the, the strength it, rather it's, it's impossible for any of us if God doesn't empower us. <clears throat> I know that some of us have gone through difficult things in the world. And what I mean by that is before we were living for God, we were going through difficult things. But you know what? Uh, you, you have the world, you, you have the flesh, you have the the enemy of our souls all fighting against us and so it's it's of necessity that we go to god again for power we go to the lord again for strength we go to him again for his anointing we go to him and say lord fill us up lord help us lord strengthen us lord i'm tired give me another uh, another wind father i can't make it lord and fill me with your power. And fill me with your strength. And fill me with your glory. I'm afraid or I'm confused. I don't know what to do. God, you're my rock. You're my fortress. You're my strength. And I know that in you I have hope. In you and you alone do I have hope. In him and in him alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just feel led of the Spirit to kind of harp on this. I, I do want to read the, the text, but my assumption is, you know, as, as you speak, if you're ever called to preach, sometimes, well, the majority of the time, I mean, I don't have anything scripted, as I've said before, I, I love just preaching by faith and and on the relying uh, uh, on on the Holy Spirit's help. But sometimes the Lord will stop you and say, "You know what? You you need a you need to wait on this a little bit." Um that's why we need to be sensitive to the spirit of God. But <clears throat> The Bible says in 1 Peter, he says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that has come to try you, as though some strange thing were happening unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of the sufferings of Christ. You know, the people in the world, they don't have meaning in their suffering. But the church of Jesus Christ, we have meaning. We have purpose for everything we suffer. And we know that there's a God who purposes, who intends on strengthening us every single uh, step of the way. Every single step of the way. He promises to aid us. You know, there's a song I love by Jason Upton. It says, uh, sometimes we feel so afraid. Um, sometimes we feel confused. Sometimes we feel so helpless and we don't know what to do. It's hard to believe it if we've never heard it. 
the voice of a father saying our name. Have you been there? I've been there. I've been there countless times. Where I didn't know what to do. Where I was confused. I'm afraid. I know God, but I, I'm lost a little bit. I don't know I don't know what to do next. And it's okay to admit those things. Because you know what I've learned? That if God doesn't allow you to go through those things, you won't ever be brought to the place to where you really feel your pressing need for for the omnipotent hand of the Savior. God deliberately allows us to go through situations so he can stretch out his mighty arm and he begins to rescue us and pulls us out of every tribulation. And we we have no other option other than to look up yet again with praise and adoration and worship and say, God, you are the God that delivers. Like David says in the Psalms, he says, "Now now know I that the Lord saves his anointed. But how will you know if you have not yet been saved from problems? And so this is why he says in the second chapter, You then, my son, be strong. I love that there. Because Paul, he there's a sense of endearment when addressing Timothy. He says, my son... This wasn't his biological son, but it was his son in the faith. He says, my son, be strong. But does he say, be strong in yourself? No, he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace is in Christ. The grace is in God. We haven't been called to rely on ourselves We haven't been called to draw from the strength of our own reservoirs or our own cisterns or our own rivers of grace or or rivers of self-reliance. The Bible says that we are to look to the Lord and draw from His rivers of grace. And so at this time, at this point, we can be assured, we can have confidence Why? Because those rivers never run dry. They do not fail. They do not end. And so I can keep drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing from Him. He's an infinite resource. But I love this too here because it speaks of relationship. It says, my son. This is why I believe... That we are to have fathers and mothers in the faith. And it doesn't speak necessarily with respect to your actual age. Um, That is to say the person doesn't necessarily have to be old enough to be your actual father or mother. But we we need those sort of people. We need those people in our corner. 
But to have those people in your corner, you have to first get close to those sort of people and allow yourself to get vulnerable, allow some walls to come down. Because some of you have walls that have been built up because of the way you've been treated when you were younger. And God wants those walls to come down. It's not that the trauma, the experiences that you have are invalid. They're very real. You know, I've seen a brother just post recently. He says, depression is real. He says, so is God. Depression is real, but so is God. And let that ridiculous thought exit your mind right now for anybody who has ever said that a Christian cannot get depressed. I, I don't line them up and let me ask this question are they greater than elijah the prophet who raised the dead by the power of god who t by the power of god turned the nation's heart back unto the lord who had uh, uh called down fire from heaven and yet what did he do in his weakest and most vulnerable vulnerable moments he ran from a woman and he be he, he he became depressed and he said lord it is enough he, he was suicidal he just said let let me die This was after some of his greatest victories. And yet he has problems. And so being a Christian does not mean that you will not experience uh, depression or some very, very difficult times. But you know what it says? You know what it means? Is that God will be right there with you in that, uh, in that problem. God will be there right with you. God will be there with you in your pain. <clears throat> and at these moments, there's a temptation to believe that the darkness is greater than the light. That somehow, that the devil is somehow stronger and greater than God. But we have to continue to revert our attention back to where it belongs. And that's not on what our eyes see, but it's on uh, what our eyes see by faith. It's not what these physical eyes can see in this world and all the calamity and destruction and pain. But it's what the Lord says in his word. You know, in fact, um, just stay there in 2 Timothy. I intend on continuing to read it. But this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, uh, uh, chapter 5. He says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, he's talking about his body, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So what he's saying there is, look, we're still roaming around in this fleshly tent. We're still roaming around in this fleshly body. But the Lord has given us to deposit his Holy Spirit as a guarantee that that this mortal body will be swallowed up by the life that is to come. And he will give us a glorified body and we will be with him forevermore in glory and in joy with hope. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. And so that is our confidence. So while we are uh, at a home in this body, we are walking with a faith and an assurance that he will get us there because he has given us the deposit. It's kind of like, you know, someone who's married. It's, it's kind of like someone who, uh, you know, not married, someone who gets engaged. And, and the man puts a, a, an engagement ring on, on the woman's finger. Right? He, he puts a down posit, so to speak. And if it's pricey enough, if it's expensive enough, you know he means business. Well, the Lord has given us the deposit of his Holy Spirit and he purchased us. Uh, he, uh, we have access to him by the Holy Spirit as the result of his costly sacrifice. So you know he means business. And so we can have a confidence that he will get us there. He will get us there. <clears throat> but you know, while we're at a home in this tent, the Bible says, you know, Paul says, we're always sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We're always sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. You know, and someone said in the chat that, you know, depression is a, is a demon. But, you know, the, I, I think there's a difference between sorrow and depression. And sorrow is inescapable. And and the Bible says Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, I, I've mentioned this uh, a couple of times, but I remember working at the the just not too long ago. I was working at the the homeless mission, and if you have a heart, you, you sorrow won't be too far from you if you work at a place like that. I've seen people go insane because of drug use. Um, there was someone that was legitimately possessed by a demon um, that manifested. And uh, that thing had to get cast out. And uh, the demon was saying it was Leviathan. Like the demon in this lady was saying, I'm Leviathan. And it was like crippling her. It was really, it was really ugly. It's like her bones were looking like they were being crushed. 
I've seen people try to commit suicide or on the verge of suicide had to call the cops, ambulance. Uh, I mean, you name it. People that are disabled, people on the verge of death because they have so many health complications. And we're housing all these people. Um, And it's a very heartbreaking thing. Very heartbreaking thing. But you know, the Lord runs, uh, the Lord travels throughout these lonely streets. And he calls out to men. He says, whosoever wills, come and drink of the water of life freely. You who have no money, come buy and eat milk and wine without price. The Lord has healing in his hands. The Lord has healings, healing in his hands. But you know what, brothers and sisters? You are the Lord's hands and feet. We're the Lord's hands and feet. And God is going to often place broken people. You know, in fact, I, I Lord is telling me right now that there's some people in your life, someone in this group, you have someone in your life and and they they um they're weak. And perhaps um maybe a burden because you have to look after them. And it takes a lot of out of you. It takes a lot of energy, but you're being the Lord's hands and feet. Remember what Jesus says when I was in prison, you you visited me when I was sick, you you helped me when I was naked, you clothed me when I was hungry or thirsty, you fed me. But I want to let us know, I want to speak by faith, that no matter what it is that we're going through, Christ is sufficient. His power is sufficient. His joy is sufficient. You don't have to give up. We don't have to rely on ourselves. God wants to come alongside of us and help us through every single thing we go through. And and He's the God of faith. He's, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the great I Am. He, he's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our banner of truth. He's our shield. He's our buckler. Like David said in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid as the Lord is the stronghold of my life? Hallelujah. Oh Lord, I pray God. Pray lift up your people, Lord. Strengthen your people, Lord. Give them vision, Lord. Give them clarity, Lord. Give them sight, Lord. Help them to see, God. Help them to see that strength is in you, that joy is in you, that hope is in you, peace is in you, calling is in you, destiny and purpose and meaning is all in you, O Lord. God, I pray, lift them up out of the miry clay. Hallelujah. 
and place their feet on a rock to stay. Oh God, I pray, Lord, break every chain and break every shackle that would lead people to a spirit of heaviness. I pray it would lift off in the mighty name of Jesus. Devil, you can't have God's people. God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit for joy, the spirit of heaviness to expel. Hallelujah. Jesus' mighty name. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace. Is the Greek, the chadis. The grace that is in Christ. That is in the anointed one. You know, it was was a beautiful time last night. I was seeking the Lord real late. And uh, I was playing this song. Um, Hopefully Sister Carla can sing it later. (laughs) It says, Yo tengo hambre de ti, de tu presencia, de tu flargacia, de tu poder. This is a hunger. This is a hunger for you, Lord. A hunger for your power, for your presence, for your glory. Um, Hold on, hold on real quick. Oh, sis, do you know? Do you know that your th- uh, thing is unmuted? Oh no, you, your thing is a. Uh, uh, I could hear people in the background. I don't know if you intended on unmuting yourself, so I just muted it for you. I don't know if you're wanting to speak or sing, but, um, But Lord, I hunger for you. I hunger for your power. I want to ask us this question. Are we there? Can we say, Lord, I, I, I hunger for your power. I hunger for your beauty. I hunger for your glory. I hunger for you. <clears throat> it says, in the things you have heard... Me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust the reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. You know why? Because there's a lot of false teachers. There's a lot of uh, uh, imposters. There's a lot of people going around um, teaching things that are not are, are not to be taught. They're teaching false doctrine. They're teaching lies. And so he says, entrust to to reliable people who will be able also to teach others that are qualified. And there's a lot of people, according to the scriptures, are disqualified. As far as the Bible is concerned. Don't be listening to disqualified people. They got strange and funny doctrines. The writer of Hebrews says it's it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not to be entertained by funny 
There's strange doctrines. And I just want to say this for for you all. Please, 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 please. Do make a habit of, of, of watching less YouTube. I'm not saying that YouTube is bad, but man, there's a lot of people out there that will rock your faith. That will shake you up. And the internet has made it possible. It's a good tool, but it can, you know, you can be led down some dark trails. And you might find it difficult to get yourself out. Amen? <clears throat> you know, and this is what Paul says. He says, he says you, you have many instructors in Christ. He says, but you have not many fathers. And then there are those who, who pretend to be servants of Christ, but are not. They serve their own appetites. Paul says, he says, of, of these people, I now weep. And I, he, he says that their, their God is their belly. Their glory is in their shame. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. But he says in verse 3, join with me in suffering. That's not a that's not a cool invitation. I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't like that invitation. My flesh doesn't like that invitation to suffer. Right? I mean, do any of you guys like that invitation? Yes? Yeah, sign me up. Give me a good dose of suffering. Please, put a little extra on the side for me as well. I love it. <laughs> no way. But for Christ's sake, yes. But you know what? It's all right. It's all right to not want to suffer. See, that's, that's, see, Jesus said, he says, if it can be any other way, remove this cup from me. If it can be any other way, remove this cup from me. He says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And that same high priest who prayed that same prayer understands when you feel the same way. That same high priest that makes that's living today making intercession for you before the Father, that same high priest comes alongside of you and says, I know how that feels. I'm not unable to be I'm not unable to empathize with your sufferings. And that's the beauty of the God that we serve, is He's not this distant God that is distant from our suffering. But the Bible says He was uh, tempted in all points like we, yet without sin. It says He had taken upon Himself the nature of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, so He's able to identify with everything you go through with regards to your trials and your temptations. Your suffering, your pain. <clears throat> he says, but he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. We're soldiers. 
We're soldiers. Amen. <coughs> we're, we're nothing less than that. We're more than that. We're sons and we're daughters. But we're soldiers. There's a long journey ahead. There's a long journey ahead. And you have to choose what you're going to carry for your luggage. I've never been in the military, but I know people who have. And uh, they say that when you're on a journey and you're on a mission a lot of times and you're on foot, you can go ahead and take whatever you want. You can carry X amount of grenades. You can carry extra ammunition. You can carry extra water. It's up to you. But if all you're going to carry are grenades and you're not bringing water, that might be a problem. You can carry 50 pounds of luggage but depending on how far the journey is, you might not be able to take all that with you. And this is precisely why the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside every weight that hinders. That's not sin, they're weights. And the sin that so easily entangles. So sin is obviously in question, uh, obviously out of the question. Get that out of your life. But you also have these sacks these weights that you accumulate. It might be a little bit too much time not spending time with the Lord. It might be um, going to the movies too often. Let's say you do watch an appropriate G-rated movie, right? Or some Discovery Channel or whatever. It's not ungodly. But you're spending too much time on that. Or maybe you, you, you... you're living a, a bit too luxurious. There's nothing wrong about nice things, but they, they're almost becoming a snare and a trap for you. They haven't just yet, but they're becoming that for you. And, and weight after weight after weight. I've seen people, they get married. Ooh, let's talk about boyfriends and girlfriends. They get a boyfriend, they get a girlfriend. And it becomes a weight. They're no longer as consistent as they were in Bible studies. <clears throat> they get a new job. They no longer have time for the Lord like they used to. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. But you know what? Sometimes what happens, they become a weight because you didn't wait on God. They become a weight that weighs you down because you didn't wait on God and you blessed yourself. And whenever you do that, sometimes the Lord says, okay, you want it, you can have it. The thing itself ain't sin, but you don't want to wait, you can have it. Go ahead. But it becomes a thorn in your side. It becomes a snare. A hindrance. A trap. Not, not that will necessarily even cause you to backslide. 
You just lost a great deal of zeal you had. Or that's that, that has never been any of us. Amen. You guys can speak to me. <laughs> you guys can't say amen, just give me an ouch. Amen. <laughs> ouch. This is a learning process. There's no condemnation in Christ. So it's not unto condemnation. Just learn from these things. Learn from them. There's some things that I look back and I I am I'm regretful of. Not even, not because I backslid, not because I went back to the world. Wrong turns I've made. You know what? Postpone the will of God. Wandering around in the desert. All because you didn't believe God. God enticed or just couldn't wait any longer so you helped yourself he says no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer see that's the that's the deceitful thing is since it's entanglement wasn't it what uh, Will Smith's wife who tried to Relabel adultery as entanglement. <laughs> See, the thing is, you, you don't just wake up and you're entangled. You don't wake up entangled. You, 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 you know, you, you grab the rope and you move it over here, and then next thing you know, it's all around you and you're tied up in a knot. It's a process that unfolds. But you don't want to be entangled in civilian affairs. You're a soldier. You don't do what the world does. We we play by this playbook. By this rule book right here. There's a little bit of suffering in this life. A little bit of hardship. But it will pay off. But here's the thing, man. And and we know this, we know this, we know this. But it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's great to be reminded. You're go, either, we're going to suffer either way. You're going to suffer for the Lord or you're going to suffer for the devil. But you know what? I want to return for my suffering. I want to return for my investment. If I'm going to suffer, it should be worthwhile. Because I don't know about you, and, and I know it's a it's a heavy reality. I don't really like talking about it, but it's there in the scriptures. I mean, I don't really 
And my flesh doesn't like this reality any more or any less than you. But there's a hell to gain if we love to suffer for the devil. That is the reward. I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'd rather die than backslide. I'd rather die. Forget it. Just take me out. I'm good. I'm not going back to no world. No. I refuse. I refuse to. I refuse to lose. I hope we have that same mindset. Sorry, John. Amen. <clears throat> but the goal is to please the commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You know what's really interesting? Some of you guys were really athletic. And you guys didn't mind getting bossed around. You guys didn't mind breaking a sweat. But somehow you come to the Lord and we become um, a little soft. And we don't like to break a sweat for the Lord. I remember uh, I used to I used to be sponsored in in Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I used to uh, train, and every single day we would have to run miles, come back after those miles of run uh, of running, come and do seventy five crunches, seventy five sit ups, seventy five push ups, seventy five seconds of planking. 75 so much and then after that we're still not done we got to run around the ring for as long as the 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 um the rounds were you got to skip and then after the round is done then you do side steps for another round then you just keep doing that meanwhile your hands are up because you got to keep these up in a fight you just got to keep doing that doing that and after that you're still not done and this lasted for about like two or three hours, man. But I don't say that to boast. I'm saying that some of you had that same level of determination, whether playing football, whether dancing, whether working. Maybe you're a workaholic. And the point is that you broke a sweat. But here's the thing. The Lord gave us more than a sweat. He gave us his blood. He gave us his life's blood. So we ought not to shrink back. We're to say, Lord, I'm willing to give you my everything. I'm willing to labor for your kingdom. I don't want anything less than a life fulfilled in the calling of Jesus Christ. You've been, you've been called for destiny. You've been called for something greater than yourself. And then it's that that motivates our hearts that says, you know what, I'm willing to suffer because there's meaning and there's purpose therein. And I know that there's a God who loves me that isn't trying to just use me as an experiment. Serving a purpose. 
Everything, every last thing you've suffered, my brothers and sisters, are will be redeemed, will be paid off. <laughs> I rejoice, thinking, thinking that I will see you all with your glorified bodies in the presence of the King. As we begin to talk and begin to discuss among ourselves and say that it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. And it's all over. It's all gone. And we can rejoice knowing that we've kept the faith. We've finished the race. And we've kept the fight. And we kept pressing by the presence of God. And by His power. And by His glory. By His wisdom. And His strength and His might. As the old hymn says, "'Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and it is grace that will lead me home. "'Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and it is grace that will lead me home." It's all of grace. That's why Paul could say, "Be strength, be strong in the grace." That is in Christ Jesus. You say, Lord, I, I, I failed today. Lord, I'm weak today. Lord, I'm destitute today. I'm sorrowful today. But the Bible says there is grace upon grace upon grace for all of it. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let those who sit in sorrow rejoice. And it's not a fake it till you make it thing. It's not a fake it till you make it. It's a living reality. I remember when I was 18 years old <clears throat> and I had received word that my mom was in the hospital. And uh, I just knew in my spirit that she she was going to pass away. And uh, I go to the hospital And I see my mom unconscious. She was bleeding inter internally. Had blood coming out of her mouth. I know it's very graphic. But it's, it's real life. It's real life. And real life sucks. Real life can really suck. My mom, she, she was a crank addict. For many years. I was separated from her for many years. And I. I lived with my dad. For, for a number of years. An abusive alcoholic. He separated me from my, my, my mom. And so. <clears throat> at the age of 15 or 16. I got reintroduced to her. That was when I was on drugs and I was following her steps. But at 18, I was saved. I got saved at 17. So she only seen me for one year saved. And I still remember she was, she was bedridden while, while she was still alive. And I remember her being happy. I would be suited up going to church with my Bible. And she says, there's my boy serving the Lord. 
his you know on in her last years she gave her life to the lord but i remember her passing away and i i remember just i had one year as a saved man as a saved little boy um with my mom and i'm thankful for that year but i really wish it could have been longer and so I see my mom pass before my eyes and I feel broken, broken. I was robbed of the relationship with my mom for many years. She didn't get to see me preach. You get what I'm saying? She didn't get to hear the souls that I brought to the Lord. She didn't get to see my my son, would have been her grandson. So I I lost. And it was painful for me. And I remember I'm at a gas station at like 2 in the morning because I'm working nights. Or maybe 1 in the morning, maybe midnight, somewhere around that time. And I, I, I... my friend, the brothers found out about it. They were in another town. I don't know why they were out so late. I think it was like a youth night or something. I don't know. But they drove all the way back. About a 45 minute drive, 30 minute drive. And I'm at the gas station. I'm, I'm on the bed of my truck. And I'm just crying. And the gas station is open 24-7. So that's why it's open. <clears throat> and, and they come and they begin to lay hands on me. I began to sob and I began to break down right there in the middle of the gas station. There were people walking in and out. I began to pray in tongues and I began to lift up my hands. And I began to worship the Lord and they're laying hands on me about five brothers. The presence of God begins to come and invade that parking lot. And the, the sorrow just began to expel the, the depression, the heaviness. The despair began to break right there in the middle of the parking lot. I began to extol the Lord. I didn't care who was around. I began to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're my hope. I love you, Lord. You fill my heart with your peace and your love. And I just began to worship him like I was worshiping him in church. And his love and his joy began to saturate my heart. And all that sorrow and all that pain that was built up, God had uh, compensated me. God had compensated me. And I had a joy. I had a genuine smile. It was no less than a miracle. So when I preach about what I preach, about regarding, it's not coming from a a, a privileged position. I know how it feels. But I can also testify that there's a God in heaven who who descends to your lowly estate, who lifts you up. He comes down. He This is what I love about Jesus, man. That's what I love about Jesus. I love about the Holy Spirit. He comes. He picks you up. 
says, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. He says, ah, that's music to my ears. A broken and contrite heart I will not despise. It's a sweet melody to the Lord. Oh, the Spirit of God is heavy in this place. Cristo, yo te amo. Cristo, yo te amo. No hay nadie como tú, Jesús. Jesus Christ, I love you. Jesus Christ, we love you. There's no one else like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Father. I pray that you administer healing to your people. <clears throat> Let them know there's purpose in their suffering. Let them know there's purpose in their suffering, Lord. Let them know that you care. Let them know that you love them. Yes, my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. <laughs> He's a friend. He's your friend. You can let him know how you feel. He cares. Where does it say that in the Bible? Cast your cares unto the Lord because he cares for you. That's where it's at. I'm speaking Bible, even though I may not quote a verse, it's there. He cares. Jesus has a radical love. A radical love. Not a fake, superficial love. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I want to, I just want to say, I, I don't want to ever do any of this for theatrics. My my wife would tell you, I'm a whole lot more emotional. Even my private time of prayer, I'll sob my face off and cry, and cry, lay prostrate before God. 
I don't fake this stuff. He, he's very real to my heart. He's very real. And I, I don't care if I look like a fool. I hope you look like a fool before the Lord. You got to shout your head off. You got to just, you can't even say anything, but just sob and sob and weep before his presence. You can look you, you can you can look foolish before the king. David danced until he was naked. <laughs> I bet we would have reproved him very quick. See what are you doing? <laughs> there in the Bible. David was unashamed. Unashamed. Unashamed for God. We'll be coming to a close here shortly. He says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So he doesn't just say the Lord will give you insight. He says, look into these things. In other words, you got to read. The Holy Spirit will draw back into remembrance but he won't draw back into remembrance the things you didn't first put there in the first place. Remember. So members coming from memory and to remember means to draw back from what has been placed there in the first place. You have to read. And if you look into these things, the Lord will give you insight. That's why the people who just say, I just rely on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but where's the practical application? But when people don't practically apply anything, no, when they do practically apply stuff, but they don't rely on the Holy Spirit, they're also in error. But Paul describes us as a soldier, as a farmer, and as an athlete. You know what that all requires? Discipline. Discipline. Discipline in the place of prayer. Discipline in reading your word. Discipline in seeking God's face. Persistence. That means when it's a hot day and there's a harvest coming, you don't say, "Ah, I just want to stay inside today. For example, I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm, I'm running off three and a half hours of sleep. I don't say that to boast. I'm just saying I practice what I preach. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite and tell you one thing. and then, You know what I'm saying? I don't think people can respect that. But I, I value the call of God, man. I value the relationship with God. Even if I don't want to pray, I'm saying, no, you're going to pray today. It doesn't matter how you feel, you're going to pray. Paul says, I beat my body into subjection and I make it obey me. So this is where you guys need to exit the feel, the, the being a feeling Christian and say, you know what? I'm not operating on feelings. I'm operating on faith. The Lord loves me. I may not feel it, but he loves me. I don't feel God is with me, but the word says. I feel weak, but the word says I could be made strong. 
I don't see finances coming through, but the word says. The word says, the word says, the word says. That is exactly what Jesus did when he defeated the enemy in the, in the temptation, in the wilderness, right? He says, it is written. He didn't say, I feel. He says, it is written. The devil comes back with another counter, and he says, it is written. He comes back with another contradiction, and Jesus yet again asserts what has been written, what thus saith the Lord. Thomas Brooks, an old Puritan, said, Where the mouth of God has not spoken, I have no warrant to believe. But where the mouth of the Lord has spoken, I have every reason to believe. Every reason. But verse 8, it says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Here's the interesting thing. He could have said so many other things, but he decides to point to David. He could have just said, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. That's not all that he said. He says, Jesus Christ, that was descended from David. Who is David? He was a militant king. And that Jesus would descend from, the Messiah would descend from his ancestry line. Why is that important? Why, why not make the connection to Abraham? Why not make the connection to anyone? Because Jesus is a king like David was a king. And Jesus is reigning today. So though even the, even though you are suffering, do not forget we are on the winning side. Jesus conquered death. We are alive. We're victorious. We have victory. We walk in triumph. We march in triumph. And it, and and here's the interesting relationship. But we're suffering. Even to the point of being chained like a criminal. He says, but God's word is not chained. See, that's how you can be in chains in the flesh and in the physical, but not be enchained in the spirit. And so in these times, you're going to be tempted like, well, I'm in chains or I'm going through hard times. How do I reconcile this with Jesus having conquered? But Paul could have used any description, but once again, he singles out David. Why? To assure Timothy that Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back with the sword of his mouth. And he will rule in the midst of his enemies. <clears throat> but he says right here, he says verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. But I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to just skip real uh, verse 11. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will dis also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. <laughs> Um, where is this at? J uh, skip down the um, 
uh, chapter 3, ver verse 10, if you have your Bibles there, it says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my fa uh, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Amen. Amen. So what are you going through? The Lord can rescue, rescue you from them all. You stuck in an ungodly relationship? The Lord can rescue from that. Rescue you from that. Someone try to slander your name and ruin your reputation at work. The Lord can rescue from that. The devil, he's a lion, man. He'll try to pump intimidation in you. Get people to persecute you. Says the Lord rescued me from half of them, some of them, from all of them. He's not saying you won't go through bad times, but none of them will work. None of them will be fatal. None of them will succeed in knocking you out of the race. No weapon. Formed against me. We're almost done. <clears throat> in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go bad from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived... We have a lot of them, right? Some people say Jesus isn't God. Some people say Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Some people say, oh, here's another book. It's called the Book of Mormon. They're deceiving and they're being, de they're being deceived and they're deceiving. And guess what? They want to deceive you. Some will say that smoking weed is okay. I think I just hit a false doctrine for one of you guys in here. It ain't okay. I don't care what liberal theologian says otherwise. Lord's coming for your false beliefs. That might medicate... But it don't heal. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. Amen. Am I preaching the Bible? <laughs> you know what's funny? I was uh, I uploaded an old uh, sermon of me um, when I was like 18 or 19. It was funny because I was preaching at this church 
and I, I, I said, I said, it was just funny, I don't even remember I said that, but I said, I said, I, 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 what did I say? I said, because no one was responding, I said, am I preaching to a dead church? Is I, am I up in a Mormon church? <laughs> you know, someone asked Leonard Ravenhill, <laughs> right on. <laughs> Is that, am I preaching to a dead church or am I preaching to a live church? <laughs> ah, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm among living saints. <laughs> There's joy in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Someone asked Leonard Ravenhill if he prays for dead people. He says, "No, I preach to them every Sunday." <laughs> but in this case, you're not dead. I'm. I just. I just wanted to share that. I thought that was so funny. Uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> So, the Lord is for you. Amen. Thank you, sis. That's encouraging. <clears throat> Amen. The Lord is with you. He's, he's for you. He's not against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? I just want to repeat that, brothers and sisters. God is for you. He's not against you. If you're suffering, remember, God is still for you. Are you hurting? God is for you. Have you been betrayed by someone? God is still for you. Remember, you're in Christ. So when he sees you, he sees his son. God is not out to have a bounty on your head to whack you with his acts of judgment. Jesus had already taken that judgment. There is zero, zip, no condemnation. You are not condemned. You stand justified and alive. God is working on your behalf. All things work together for good to them that love God who have been called according to His purpose. All things. Even if you sin along the way. I'm not condoning living however you want, but I can tell you from experience and from the scriptures, I can point to David, I can point to Abraham, I can point to Moses, I can point to Joshua, I can point to all these different men, I can point to Peter. They've had their times of failure, they've had their times of weakness, and they have fallen great falls. But you know what? They came out victorious, and they've been commended in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They've all been commended by faith, and they came out on the other side. You know why? Because they had this one ingredient, and it was, I have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would bring me from my beginning stage to the end, and he will preserve me faultless. 
You have David who, who committed such a grievous sin. Moses who had gotten angry, committed such grievous sins. You have Jacob who was a liar and a deceiver. You had so many men of God. They all have their vulnerable times. And you will have them too. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it makes God happy. But you know what? Still it is nonetheless true that God even in those times are for you. And He's going to rescue you out of your own foot. Foolishness. Moses murdered a man. He wandered around in the desert for 40 years. But the call of God chased him. The call of God was still on that man's life. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. I get to the religious mindset how this might come off. Are you saying it's okay for us to sin? Nah, man. He who's without sin cast that first stone. I've said this before. If our whole life was projected on the flat screen uh, of church for everybody to watch, you'll throw away those stones real quick. You'll toss them behind your back and say, What stones? It's not to make light of sin, but it gives the word of God and what it says to us its proper perspective, right? That's kind of why Jesus had to go to the cross, kind of why, why he needed to shed his blood, and why he still lives to make intercession for us as our high priest today. Because whether we would like to admit it or not, sometimes we got bad tempers. Sometimes we blow it. But you know what? I can tell you this. He who has been forgiven much loves much. He who has been forgiven much loves much. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Turn over to this. I just. um, Chapter 4 in the same book. I love this. This has encouraged me so many times. Verse 16. And this will be the final verse. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Final passage. And my first defense, no one came to my support. How? This is a Paul this is Paul the Apostle, right? I mean look at the man's heart. He entreated the church of Corinth like his own children. The love he had for the lost, he says, I, I wish myself accursed and cut off from Christ if if by doing that that would save the Jewish people. He says, I have continual sorrow and unceasing anguish for my own people. So he was an intercessor, a mighty man that loved the lost. He loved the church. He gave his own shirt off his own back for the people of God. And yet, at his first defense, no one stood in his support. 
Now I want to say this prophetically because there's and I just I really sense this by the Lord. There's some of you that you're wondering why. You you feel like the response of certain people are your fault. And you're wondering what you're doing wrong when it's they're the wrong. They're in the wrong. And no matter how much you love someone, they sometimes give off wrong responses. And they act out of character. You haven't been called to change anybody. Only the Lord can do that. But everyone deserted me. Look at his heart. He says, may not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side. Isn't that so comforting? Paul's in a prison. I'm sure he might have felt tempted to become resentful. I'm not saying he was. But I would imagine someone, natural person, would be tempted to be bitter. Like, man, all these so-called Christians, where are they? (laughs) Where are they at? Where's the real ones? And yet he said, the Lord stood by my side. He gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. You know what that says? God has a purpose for you. You're not going anywhere. You're not dying. God has something for you to do. And he's going to stand right there by your side and make sure that we get it. He's called you. Jeremiah says that when I was fashioned in my mother's womb, the Lord already knew me. And he had set me apart. Not when I got ordained. Not when I gave my life to the Lord. Not None of that. He says, when I was formed in my mother's womb, I set you apart to be a prophet unto the nations. When you were formed in your mother's womb, God had already predestined a plan for you to fulfill. You have meaning and purpose today. And you're not going anywhere. You're not dying. You're not going to be taken out because God God's work isn't done. Oh man, that's so refreshing. In my worst of days, I can know that I still have a plan in Jesus Christ. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a good hope and a future. We have a future today, saints. You have a future. You have a future. You're not going anywhere. Get rid of the I just want to leave already mindset. No, you got work to do. None of us are walking around with canes or anything in here, so let's get to work. We got a lot of energy left. <laughs> Amen. Don't clock out early. You got to work some overtime. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. 
The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's so reassuring, man. He will bring me safely. Safely. What do you mean safely, Paul? You've been, you're, you're writing this while you're in chains. This was his last letter. He was about to be beheaded. No. In other words, the devil's not going to sift my faith like wheat. That's not what's going to happen. All that the enemy had intended for evil, God will mean for good. Genesis chapter 50. No matter which way the devil tries to put the the, the chess piece on the board, the Lord already has several different ways he can defeat him. And you're the queen that the Lord is protecting on that chess board. He will bring you safely into his kingdom. And he will rescue from every evil attack from the lion's mouth. Recording stopped.